everybody, and thank you for joining us for another episode of the Rec Poker Podcast. This is the Chats Edition. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Website Amp and Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino. Um, I'm your host, Bluff Storini in the home game, Jim Reed in real life. And if you want to learn more about me, you can go to rec.poker slash crew and find out about me and all the other members of the Rec and Crew, or you could just listen up because a few of them are about to introduce themselves. What do you say, guys? Well, I'm Chris Jones. That's 5B5 on Twitter, 5x5 five five in Poker Stars. Uh, and I have that moniker because I'm a fan of everybody's favorite hand, including our star guest today, Pocket Fives. <laughs> and I'm Rob Washam, and I'm Rabman50 everywhere. Um, t- like to keep it easy. I'm Taylor Moss. You can find me on Twitter at, at Taylor underscore Moss or in the Rec Poker home game as Gopher Boy TJM. And if you don't know what Rec Poker is, it's a free community that you can join to find people to other recreational players like us to learn along with, play along with, support each other. Uh, find your rail. Come join us over at Rec Poker. All it takes is an email address and a smile. Um, and I want to just take, before we get started with the interview, I want to take a quick second to thank a couple of people that have taken that step to join up with us. Uh, Howie Guerin, who uh, you might know as a windshield guy, he's been um, a fan, he's been a premium member for a while, and I understand he's out there repping some new uh, Rec Poker merch, so way to go, Howie. It's great to see you representing the organization like that. We love seeing those hoodies and polos and hats everywhere we go in the live poker world. And also Steve Belland who I got a chance to meet in Las Vegas, actually, staying at the Rec Poker House. Steve's a really cool guy. Uh, he's uh, we, we didn't actually get to play at the same table, but we were railing each other uh, in our different tournaments down there and had a lot of fun hanging out. So, Steve, thanks for giving us a try and hope to see you again soon. Um, one of the folks here at Rec Poker working away behind the scenes, because it does take a village, folks, and you can go to rec.poker slash support if you want to find a way that you can contribute and help out, whether it's by liking or subscribing or heading over to the Patreon slash Rec Poker page and helping us out there every month. We all kind of pitch in, um, whether it's Roger Shooty who helps with the podcasts, um, or any of the other people that are working behind the scenes here. One of our uh, new premium members who's really stepping to the fore is Gregory Clem, who we know as Max Chaos. And uh, Greg had a great time in here interviewing Chris Jones. He's a glutton for punishment, so we invited him back. Uh, Greg, welcome back to the show, and thanks for doing this with us. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to be back. So we got some great feedback about the Chris Jones interview, and people said we got to have Greg back on to interview another member of the panel. Um, we'd already we'd already done an interview with John Sonsky fairly recently, and uh, so tell us what happened next, Greg. Uh, what happened next was we were doing one of Chris's nightly things, and my my audio was not working. So you guys were talking about the idea of me doing another interview, and I was weighing in with that with the idea that I'd love to do it. Nobody could hear me. So I followed up after the fact and, and sent an email and said, hey, if Taylor's up for it, I would love to get to know Taylor. I've been watching him play for a while. And if he's up for the interview idea, I'm, I'm up for the interview idea as well. And here I am. And here we all are. So without further ado, uh, Greg and Taylor, take it away. All right. Taylor, you ready? I've got ready, ready as I'll ever be, I guess. I've got but, yeah. two, three, maybe four pages of questions. We'll get through them all, I'm sure. So, no. oh man, I'm going to go grab a coffee real quick. <laughs> you might <laughs> need one. Man. You just might need one. Well, let's, you know, let's start at the beginning. Let's, let's go way back. Take us back to how you got into poker. How long have you been playing? How'd you get exposed to the game? 
mm-hmm. all of that stuff. Yeah, I, it's probably somewhat of a typical story. Um, I'd say when I was young and, you know, starting to learn different games, maybe, you know, 10 years old or something, uh, my dad was, you know, teaching me different things. So I remember him teaching me chess once and it was like, you know, I started to learn some things and it was probably no good, but, you know, I got into chess and then one day he taught me poker and, you know, that's how I first like got exposed to it. And it, it's not like we would play poker or anything like that, but like I, I was aware of what the game was. And then, you know, it turned to different channels on TV and be like, oh, there's, you know, the WPT. Let me go and watch that. And then you catch all the high stake hands and you see that and that's fun. Um, and then it probably wasn't until like the moneymaker boom, uh, when it became a really popular thing on TV and other people like at school were starting to play poker and like, you really got into it that way that like, I finally actually like got exposed to it. But I mean, I was always a fan of strategy games of different genre, like genres, board games, card games, video games, all those types of things. And, uh, poker just kind of like naturally fit in as a a hobby or you know a thing that interested me cool cool and then how did rec poker come into the picture uh yeah I, it was steve essentially um I, sh- I shared the story with jim when we were back in vegas and i don't think it's e- even something that i shared with steve but um i first heard of steve through like my work when i got out of college <laughs> and started a, a job and we hired someone and he sent out an email. He's like, Hey, anyone interested in poker? Like, here's this all in for Africa thing. And it was, you know, here's all the stuff. And then Steve, it was Steve's name on there. And I, I recognized it. And he was like, yeah, he was a former actuary where I interned, but now, you know, I'm working here, blah, 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 blah. It was back of mind. Uh, kind of cool. And then at my work, I was getting sick of where I was working and I went out and I played poker and sitting across from me, I was the, four seat and in the one seat was steve and i just go are you steve fredland like fake (laughs) (laughs) and he goes yeah you know in the classic steve type of way um and we just started chatting you know talking about different stuff and my underlying uh thing that i was trying to get at i was trying to network I i wanted to apply for a different job i knew he was an actuary i was an actuary and I was trying to like, just like network and get to know someone that was also an actuary at a different company. Uh, I mean, long story short, we like started to connect. We were, you know, easy to talk to one another, easy to get along. Uh, we started playing in some home games together and then like it, stuff just like blossomed, but um, it, <laughs> it kind of started off with me trying to get a new job. Um, I didn't ultimately go and work where Steve was, but, you know, I was like, you know, networking is such a big thing. I got to like get to know this guy. Well, in a way you did go on to work where Steve works because now you guys are uh, yeah. turning the crank at, at rec poker. That's, that's uh-huh. awesome. Yeah. Um, I've seen you. I've watched your Twitch streams a few times. I've seen your family make an, a cameo appearance, your kids every once in a while, that sort of thing. Uh, poker, uh, at least from my perspective, can be a time-consuming hobby. I mean, it takes up a lot of time. It's a demanding hobby. And if you're an enthusiast, it probably takes up even more time. How do you balance those two things? How do you balance family life and and, and your passion for poker? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, poker is my like fourth job. 
I always say. And it, when you're talking about a fourth job, it's really just like a hobby. Like uh, I'm, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm an actuary, and then I'm a poker player. So it always kind of like ends up working out in that type of way. Um, but I kind of have certain schedules for like how I stick to things. Um, people potentially assume that I play more than I actually do. Uh, I really don't play that much just because of all those like time constraints and things that I have going on. Um, I almost never can play on Saturdays cause that's always a big family day. I can almost never play on Sundays, uh, for essentially that same reason. Uh, so really then what it comes down to is like nights and can I like just dedicate some time and play online and when COVID first came around it was actually like really tough on me because I couldn't do anything else so then I tried to way overcompensate with poker and it was like every night I was like trying to play online uh so I get the kids from daycare feed them put them to bed boom get on the computer and grind and be up till you know one two in the morning wake up in the morning for work work pick up the kids from daycare, feed them, put them to bed, get back on the computer and grind. That, that was really tough. And um, it really like hurt me, like not physically, but more mentally. And I really tried to like be really smart about when I play and stuff like that. But um, I always have to like rebalance myself and tell myself, this is my hobby. You know, um, if I were into golf a bunch, you know, I'd want to go golfing every so often and, you know, use that as a way to unwind. And that's what I have to tell myself. And I kind of have somewhat of a schedule set up. Like I do Twitch on Thursday nights, um, sometimes on the Wednesdays for the player of the year series and stuff like that. And um, that allows me to have certain like structured time to say like, yep, I have this set up. I'm going to use it as my hobby and be able to play. Um, but then also allow myself to take off other nights. So I'm not, you know, constantly trying to play. So it, it's very much a balancing act of like trying to keep my energy up, my family's energy up, all those types of things. So, yeah, yeah you know, we, we refer to it as a grind, but you don't, you know, you don't want it to become an actual grind. So it definitely sounds like you made the right adjustment when you need to make, when you need to make an adjustment or needed to make an adjustment, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, speaking of family, I heard a rumor that uh, Mrs. Moss played a part in rec poker. Want to tell us about that? Oh, yeah. The, um, I love wearing uh, T-shirts and clothing that have my wife's uh, handiwork on. And the rec poker logo is one of those things. Um, there's a bunch of cool things that she's a graphic designer, now a creative director, or sorry, now a senior creative director. Uh, but she she's always done stuff like that. And she's always made really cool things. And it's always just been like, hey, can you do this type of stuff? But um, even when she works on projects for work and like it's a logo for something, they sometimes get like the swag for like, it now has this logo on it and stuff like that. So I have a bunch of those different types of things. And it's really cool because someone will be like, hey, what is this and i'm like it's just some company but my wife made the logo you think it's cool because i think it's cool type of thing but uh yeah the rec poker logo is one of those uh creations of hers that's awesome she just she's plays does she play poker or no she knows uh very very little about poker <laughs> uh she's she's gotten accustomed to uh some of the common phrases that i'll say in the money min cash 
right. busted out, uh, but other uh, actual concepts and playing and stuff like that. That's, that's not her style. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, okay. Let's see. You've already answered my next question. So let me try to spin it a little bit. I was going to ask you what you do in terms of a profession. I wasn't sure if you were a stay at home dad and that sort of thing, but you work as an actuarial. Now that's a very math based profession, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think that that works well for you in your poker game? Does it apply in your poker game or do you keep the two separate? Yeah, I think it, it applies. Um, so actuaries, the, they're always dealing with risk. Like the society of actuaries, which is like the place that you get like your accreditation through is their slogan is risk is opportunity. So like, it's all about managing risk and understanding that. And really what that comes down to is like understanding prior knowledge. How can you adjust that going forward and use that correctly? And poker is essentially the same way. You have some prior knowledge, you have, incomplete information and you're trying to put stuff together and act in like the best way possible. So I I think it definitely comes into play. And I think both poker and my actuarial career have like helped like each other grow at the same time, just due to a lot of those concepts. Um, I always, I think rec poker has done a number for like my professional career just because um, when I started doing some of the rec poker stuff, it forced me to vocalize my thoughts and the things that I would be, uh, thinking through my head and being able to say it in like a coherent way. But that, that also applies to my work. Cause then I'll, I'll go through an analysis or go through a project and it's like, okay, well, I have to make sure this makes sense. And I can then take that and explain it to someone else. So I, I think the two have like, gone really well hand in hand um and probably part of the reason why i like my career and also like playing poker i've never heard the framework of poker described so well though at least from a professional standpoint because it is managing risk it is managing uncertainty and taking into account assumptions and making decisions and and moving my wife works in insurance as well she doesn't work as an actuarial she's an adjuster but I, I see and hear a lot of what you're talking about and what she does on a day-to-day basis. I hear her on the phone upstairs uh, trying to get to the heart of what's really going on and that sort of thing. So. Yeah. Uh, staying with poker, going off the field. So, you know, you, you're living a pretty busy life, balancing a lot of priorities and that sort of thing. Can you still study? Do you still study? Um, it's trying to jam that into uh, all the other things going on. Uh, I don't study as much as I should just because I use it as a hobby. Um, I definitely would like to study more, but just like with all the things going on, like trying to study late at night is tough for me. Um, Studying in the morning is also tough for me, which then leaves middle of the day and then middle of the day, I'm either working or doing family stuff. So um, I found that out early on just due to my career because actuaries have to take exams and it's a lot like you study a lot for those exams and that potentially help with like then studying poker. Uh, Cause you know, I got so used to, you know, studying things, learning concepts, putting them into practice and uh, doing that. But it also helped me learn about myself and like, when am I good at studying? It's not early morning. It's not late at night it really has to be middle of the day, which then leaves little time. But um, 
I do study. Uh, I like a lot of uh, the companies and the people that Rec Poker has worked with, and it's just been kind of an easy transition to also use them. I was a Learn Pro Poker member before uh, they ever got affiliated with Rec Poker. I like all the stuff that they're doing there. Um, I got into the Rain Trainer Range Trainer Pro. Uh, I think that's a really good way to study both pre-flop and post-flop spots. Um, so there's a lot of things that um, have really helped me out, but I should be studying a lot more than I am. Did you were you able to study more earlier before life took over and all of that? Uh, when my kids were younger, it was a little bit easier, uh, just due to like I don't have to like always be around them, and I could sneak away when they're you know sleeping, you know right. when they're less than a year old. Um, and then it also comes down to like, can I? convince my wife to like, let me take time to do different things. Like when we did the Farid course, um, it was a set time. So it was really easy for me to do that, but it was also a big strain on her. So like she had to help me out a lot to be able to study. Cause that was, I believe six to eight, uh, local time for me, uh, which is the heart of pick up kids, making dinner, getting them ready for bed and putting them to bed. Um, so it was like, Hey, can you let me take off this huge, important part of time? And I was like, yeah, but can you help out with other stuff? So, uh, there's always stuff like that. That's, that's kind of like life getting in the way, but right. you know, right. you got to prioritize. Out of curiosity, and maybe you, you don't have a sense for this right now, but fast forward five years, eight years, nine years, you're still in the hobby. You're still having as much fun as you do today. Life has shifted a little bit. Kids are older and they've got their own things going on. Do you think you'll spend more time studying at that point? Or at that stage, do you think you've pretty much indoctrinated all of your routines and you're just in execution uh, mode? You're, you're always studying. Uh, there will never be a point, uh, at least my assumption, there'll never be a point where I'm like, ah, I'm good. I don't need to study anymore. Uh, you always want to be refreshing things and thinking through stuff. Um, I know that like I've gone through spurts of like, yeah, I'll study a lot. And then also, no, I don't want to study. I just want to play because I just want to use this as a, you know, means of release, a, you know, a way to have fun. And then it'll be like, ah, I got to get better, study a lot. And then so on and so forth. And uh, those times that I go back to it, I always like kind of start fresh, if you will, like, hey, go back to preflop ranges. Oh, I'm shifting a little bit in these preflop spots. You know, I shouldn't be doing this here. I should be doing this here and stuff like that. And like, go back to sea betting. Okay. Let's look at sea betting spots. Oh, well, you know, I, I would have thought I would be betting this hundred percent of the time, but really I should be checking in these spots and so on and so forth. And, um, it's just so hard to have a computer brain that doesn't forget some of those things. They just, you get a little bit of a refresher and all of a sudden it's just like, boom, it starts clicking again. Um, so there'll never be a spot where I don't study. Uh, but as we look more forward it's probably i'm able to play a little bit more especially as my kids get older and stuff like that but um depending on how my life changes and time constraints and so on and so forth um hopefully it, it just involves me studying more and playing more kind of equally well i wouldn't call it a downside to studying but there is a, another side to it in the sense that at least for me the more time i spend trying to study things the more stuff i have bouncing around in my head when I'm trying to play and it almost, I think, uh, could go too far. What about warming up before you play? Do you, do you have any kind of a routine you use? 
Uh, get the kids in bed. <laughs> and then straight to the computer from there. Huh? Pretty much. Yeah. Um, there'll be times where I pull up Range Trainer Pro and go over a few spots. Um, I got into some spin and goes recently. And before I would play those spin and goes, I'd really just like um, go into short stack, opening ranges from the button, small blind, like how to act in different spots and just kind of like use that as a quick refresher. In Range Trainer Pro, it's really easy to go through things like that. And then sometimes um, if I do by some chance have like a Sunday off, I'll run through like ranges um, before I start playing. But usually just with the time constraints, it's usually just go, go, go. Okay, well, it's it's seven o'clock. You don't want to miss registration on a lot of things. Um, so in terms of like how my mind works, it goes, I'd rather get in right away at like 35 big blinds into this tournament rather than study for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and then get in at 20 big blinds for the tournament. So that's kind of the balancing act that I always play uh, when I'm playing late at night. Gotcha. One of your big contributions to the rec poker community is your Twitch streams. I know I've watched a few of them and that sort of thing. Tell me about that experience. Was it difficult at first? Is it easier now that you've been doing it a while? Uh, it gets easier. Um, I think the toughest part is just getting used to just talking about stuff and uh, going over things. Cause really what it is, is like, imagine we're having this conversation, but you're just not talking to me. But I, I have to carry, <laughs> I have to carry both sides of the interview on Twitch. I have to ask the questions, answer the yeah. questions and then recap yeah. all that type of stuff. So you get all the right <laughs> answers that way though. <laughs> Think about it. Never wrong. I haven't been wrong yet. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, that that's like the toughest part is you, you're just talking to yourself. So then, you know, it comes, okay, you know, just talk through thought process, go through things, talk about what you're seeing at the table and just get used to just like almost rambling. Um, it really helps when people are chatting in the chat on the Twitch. Cause then I have someone that I'm at least somewhat interacting with and uh, I can talk to. So that definitely can help out, but yeah, that's the toughest part. Um, I know some people have asked like, Oh, you know, is it, is it easier to play when you're doing Twitch? Because then you're, you're forced to talk through things. And it's like, no, cause I'm not just sitting here and just talking through things. I'm managing uh, the chat, we, we do giveaways and stuff on there. So I'm, you know, managing the giveaways. Like I've got two computer screens here, like everything going on. I play in a small section. I've got my stream set up in another section. I've got all the stuff that I'm tracking for Twitch giveaways in another section. Um, I'm, you know, if I'm playing multiple tables, that's going on. So there, there's a lot like going on and I'm trying to manage all those different things. And I'm kind of a bad multitasker. <laughs> so uh, there'll be times where I'm like streaming on Twitch and like talking through things and be like, oh man, I forgot to do something. And then I just like go quiet and like just have this blank face on because I'm just sitting here typing away at stuff. Um, and then all of a sudden I'm like, uh, Taylor, you're streaming. Oh, oh, hey, uh, yeah. <laughs> Welcome back. I guess. I... <laughs> and yeah. I mean, that that's how it goes sometimes. But um, yeah, it, it's definitely not easier to, to stream in Twitch, especially because it's like, okay, well, if I need to go get some water, if I need to do anything else, like I'm even more tethered to my computer than I am normally because I have to stay on the camera and stuff like that. So um, do you think yeah, it's it, improved your game at all? 
in any way, having to articulate why you're doing what you're doing and stay on top of that kind of stuff? I think so. For some of the same reasons that I was talking about before, you have to be able to like clearly articulate like what you're doing. Um, There's definitely spots where like um, you'll catch me being like, Oh, you know, I should do this. And then all of a sudden like immediately backtracking be like, you know, that probably wasn't the best, (laughs) but you know, you you go through those types of things. Uh, I think it helps in some ways and also potentially doesn't help in others. Um, But overall, I think it's been good. Gotcha. You know, one thing I've noticed when I watch your streams is it's like you've got ice water in your veins. There's never a sign of tilt anywhere. Do you wait till the camera's off before you start throwing the furniture and, and, and having a meltdown or do you really maintain that kind of composure all the time? Oh, you can, you can catch some spots in it. Uh, <laughs> did you, did you watch the, the mixed game stream this past week? I, I did I, not see that one, but it's worth, it's worth a look guess, if you, if you, get, you <laughs> script, if you went off script for a second. Chip graph been. was like going up, 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 like <laughs> towards the top. And then all of a sudden, like, whoom, it just went straight down. Um, I was, I was pretty upset with that. And like, I, I think it, that's about as upset as I ever get, but um you'll you'll catch moments where i'm just i i'm not happy and you you can tell uh what's going on but i also understand this is the game that we play you know something can go wrong just a couple things in a row uh can go wrong and you know you go from top to bottom and uh it'll happen but i, I don't know i feel like uh i've due to all my experience in doing stuff like for some reason I do better under pressure than I do under like normal circumstances. And I don't know exactly what it is, if it's just like my composure or something like that, but I, I don't like, I don't like talking about myself like, Oh yeah, I'm better than everyone else. So I I don't want this to come across that way, but just for some reason, pressure doesn't bug me like going back my actuarial exams, like those are big moments. Uh, you study 400 hours for an actuarial exam. You take it. It's a three hour exam. You have 30 some questions, multiple choice, and you've got to get 70% right to pass. Like it's a, it's a very high pressure situation. You study this long for it. If you don't pass it, guess what? You have to wait another six months to take it again. Ouch. And it's, it's a really high pressure situation, but for some reason, like, that never fazed me. Uh, same thing with, you know, exams in high school, college, all those types of things. Um, I played video games semi-competitively in high school and college too. And like, it was just like none of those situations, whenever like the pressure was up, it never bugged me. It just it was just another situation. Like I had thought through this and I had gotten to exactly this point where I wanted to be. And now I just needed to execute so I, I think that's true, but like to say, I don't tilt is a different thing because I, I do get upset. There are times where I get upset and it's uh, sometimes good to have the car ride home after uh, some poker hands <laughs> to decompress. Huh? Yeah. I was watching, uh, is it Phil Galfon? I, I think I'm pronouncing his last name, right? He has a series of videos on YouTube around top 10 lists and one thing he said really resonated with me, which was most people underestimate the degree of variance in this game. And ever since I heard him say that, it's it's helped me when the bad beats happen and things because sometimes they happen in my favor. So hmm. uh, let's see. 
you know, think about for a second, not how you look at the game, but how do you think your opponents would describe your table image? Would they see you as an aggressive player, as a as something different? Probably as an aggressive player. Um, I try to like frame myself as tag, tight, and aggressive. Um, I heard, so I, I just got done playing live a decent chunk. The MSPT was here. It's really close to my new house now. Um, so I was trying to play a lot and I heard comments from some people that they're like, oh yeah, you know, everyone else, everyone's out here trying to have fun, except for this guy, this guy's just trying to beat everyone. Uh, it's me, right? <laughs> that's a compliment. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, but like, I think that's how people kind of view me is like, I, I'm just like a serious guy when I play. Um, I'll joke around a bit, but all of a sudden I get in a hand and I'm like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let up. So uh, I think a lot of people would view me as an aggressive player, especially in the live scene, because a lot of live players are very passive and taking passive actions. And I will correct for that by taking more aggressive actions against those passive players. So I, I don't go with the, the stream of what everyone else wants to do. I go with what I want to do. That's good. Yeah, I just had a question come in from the control room. I can't really tell from this who's asking. I'll, I'll just read it. You're already a strong and a feared par- player. How much better would you be if you stopped playing pocket fives like a 98-year-old nit? That, you know, that's that's not a nice question, Taylor. I'm it's sorry. not. I, you know? You're not going to force me to answer that, are you? <laughs> no, I, you know, let's, I was trying to keep this positive. You should be able to play pocket fives any way you want to play. Uh-huh. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, the thing is, I, I hate hands that have bad reverse implied odds. I mean, <laughs> what what other hand? Like fives are a prime hand to get set under set. And man, that is atrocious. So why not just fold? <laughs> no, we're oh, we're going to lose Greg there, I think. I'm going to drink a water. So. <laughs> All right. Okay. I know you play a lot on an ACR. I see that when you're twitching sometimes, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, how much do you rely on a HUD when you're playing on ACR? And or even when you're playing in the home game? Um, I'd say very little. I think uh, people definitely use the HUD in better ways than I do. Uh, My main function of having the HUD is as a hand capturing device. Uh, So I can go back and review different spots and look at things, be able to tag something and say, yep, this is uh, something that I need to look into. Should I have seat bet? Should I have raised? Uh, That type of thing. That's probably the main function I use the HUD for. Um, Otherwise, the main thing that I use the HUD for is just like, if I'm multi-tabling, it helps me understand uh, those quick pieces of information that I would have known had I only been single tabling. Right. Uh, so just like in a quick way on a lot of poker tracker for HUDs, I can look at, okay, how, how often is this player V pipping? Uh, when are they raising? Uh, how do they react in blind versus blind spots? Um, how often do they continuation bet? How often do they fold to continuation bets? And on this one hand that they went to showdown, what did they have? Uh, those are really like quick things that you can kind of look through um, in the HUD. And I typically only like go to that level, but it's really like infrequently that I do that too. It's really like blind versus blind. Like all of a sudden I get into this and I'm like, oh, something happened before that made me 
think that I should, you know, question this. What was that? Oh, okay. He's, he's raising a ton from the big blind uh, versus my small blind. Okay. Well, maybe I'll act a little bit differently here than I normally would. Uh, it's, it's some small things like that. Um, but I would say like all those things that I talked about, I'm usually not looking at those. I'm usually just kind of like playing normally until I get into a spot where also I'm like, ah, I could use just a little bit more information here to help my decision-making. So the, the answer to the next question would be no, because you've, you've kind of answered it already. You're not using it for profiling. You're not taking notes on individual players, that sort of thing. Are you still doing any kind of profiling, whether it's people that you see all the time in the home game or whether it's folks you see consistently on ACR, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'll start with the home game, home game. I, I don't like tagging uh, people in the home game, especially taking notes on people. Uh, People can get fixated on that. Want to know like, what, what are the notes that you took on me? They could take it in a negative way. So I try to not put notes on people just for that, that, um, for that purpose. I do tag people in the home game. Uh, there's essentially two colors that I have orange, which is uh, some of these fools that are sitting on the call with me. It's any part of the like record <laughs> team there. They all got the orange tag. Uh, and then the light blues I tag as friends of the stream. You know, the people that come in, they're chatting, they're making the guesses, give them a little tag. So, um, you know, they have some sort of like recognition of like, yeah, there they are on, on there or like other viewers can like see them and stuff like that. So I don't like tagging in the home game. Just, I don't, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. I don't ever like want that to be like, Hey, I tuned in and this guy was like, Hey, this guy limps all the time. And you know, is a super passive player where it may be true, but I don't want them to take it negatively and have, you know, negative feelings because of it. Uh, what I'm playing on ACR, um, I do have different tags. I typically kind of stick to a few things. Orange stays as friends. So um, like Chris, I know on ACR and he's got an orange tag. It's just kind of like, hey, I know this person just to make sure um, I see that. It doesn't mean any sort of like skill indicator. But then I do have a few for um, green as people that I think I can make money off of blue slash purple is people that I don't think I can make money off of yellow is people that I think are uh, aggressive and I should be concerned about if they're playing behind me and just kind of generally use those types of tags and then usually put some sort of note in there to like help identify why I would say those types of things. Uh, Cause that can help to just understand like, Hey, I gave this person a green tag. Well, why? Oh, well they opened, you know, King four offsuit under the gun. Okay. Boom. Now I can use that and start creating a profile of like what this player does. Was it a focus session? I think a little while back, just a shout out to that. That's one of the uh, recorded webinars that's out there on the website. I was watching the other day where Chris went through kind of his process for tagging people and uh, recording notes and that sort of thing. I thought it was really good. It's it's I've added it to kind of how I approach things. Yeah. I can guarantee he does it better than me. <laughs> that wasn't my I, I have a, I have a process but uh, yeah. it's it's pretty weak let's talk avatars let's talk screen names uh, I, I see you've chosen the Grinch I'm assuming that's because you want to steal people's poker Christmas is that a fair assessment um no uh, so <laughs> uh, Grinch 
one is my favorite uh, Christmas movie, so I won't get it wrong there. Uh, but it comes from my ACR name, which is Jinch. Uh, it just sounds like there's a Grinch avatar on ACR, and because you know it sounds similar, went with that and kind of just adopted it. Like it was nothing that um, I like sought out, but it just kind of like seemed to make sense, and I just kind of went with it. Um, so, yeah. And, and I'm going to say that no discussion of screen names would be complete if you didn't give us the backstory on Gopher Boy. What, what's what's up with that? Okay. Um, <laughs> prepare to be disappointed. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it was a name I just uh, like randomly picked out a long time ago. Um, so when I first started playing poker in college, I played on full tilt, obviously, not there anymore. Um, but when I also, I mentioned I played semi-competitively in video games uh, as well. I always played under the name, The Little Devil. Um, just a name I picked out and just went with it. And that was my name for the longest time. That was my name on Full Tilt. And then I went to Poker Stars. And for some reason, like I didn't want to pick that same name. And I was a student at the U of M, the Gophers. So that's the Gophers. Uh, the boy, I have no idea, but it, it kind of like sticks with the the little devil type of thing, like, you know, younger type of thing. And then TJM is my initial. So um, that's how it like kind of came about. But it, it's really like a boring kind of story <laughs> for, for how it comes through. But It, it yeah, makes sense, is. though. Now everybody can connect the dots as far as uh, where that came from. Mm-hmm. What video games were you playing when you were playing competitively? I played Madden, uh, which is NFL. Um, so I, I played that a ton. I was really good at it. I won a lot of competitions, never won anything like um, super big. But uh, that was also kind of part of the reason why I got into poker because um, I was part of a Madden community that created like a league type of format. And we would play a bunch and it was like point systems for different types of things. And it was teams. So like you'd have little segments of teams all competing against each other for a different, uh, you know, essentially like take just a game of football, but then put like point systems on it and so on and so forth. I won't get into it too much, but um, on my team, like when I first joined it, I was the rookie and I got drafted second overall. And I was like, wow, like why, why me this early? But the guy that drafted me was a poker player and he played a lot of poker on the side too. And then uh, we had a little forum for our team and we would sit there and talk and we would talk about non Madden related things. And we just talk about poker a lot too. Um, So that was part of the reason that like, you know, going through this, we're playing something mutual interest. And then we're also talking about this other interest that I had, which was poker. Um, But yeah, it it was Madden and uh, played a lot of it. No call of duty. Um, not competitively. I'm nowhere near good enough to play Call of Duty. Um, I my uh, controller skills were only good enough for like football and stuff like gotcha. that. Gotcha. What's your proudest accomplishment in poker? Ooh. Uh, that is a good question. And there, there's a lot of things that have, you know, been good and it's easy to go with like, Hey, here's my biggest score type of thing. 
um, which the answer is probably going to be that. But then there's a lot of other stuff that like I've really enjoyed with like just this rec poker uh, community type of thing. And um, I, I'm really proud of the fact that I won the inaugural player of the year, even though it was an abbreviated year, I'm still going to take credit for it. And then also was able to win mixed game player of the year. I think those are two uh, really nice things. It's, it's tough to be able to go after both of those. Um, but the ultimate uh, accomplishment I think is my win in the Sunday brawl on ACR uh, which happened earlier this year, but I forget the exact number of people, but it was, you know, multiple thousands of entries, multiple day ones. Um, and I entered day two as the number one chip leader uh, of all those people that made it into the second day and then went uh, on to win the thing. So awesome. um, that is awesome. definitely not an easy accomplishment. And so many things about that tournament itself, I'll be able to look at and be like, hey, I could never do that again. I think I took over 300 big blinds into day two, which is ridiculous. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that, that whole thing was just really crazy. You mentioned, uh, you mentioned golf. Bobby Jones was a golfer a long time ago and he was talking about poker or golf tournaments rather. And he said, nobody wins a golf tournament without getting lucky that day. And I think the same holds true for poker, but at the same time, I think your track record of results says you're doing something well beyond luck. So that's awesome. That's good. And I'll tell you what, player of the year on these home games, these home games are tough, man. <laughs> I mean, they are difficult, whether it's the uh, it's the uh, field or whether it's the starting chip stack or what, but um, yeah. Yikes. Yeah. And why that, why that ranks so highly, at least in my mind is just because of like the abbreviated nature of it too. Like, yeah it's it's 12 times a year that you yeah. play uh Absolutely. you can't you can't just put in a bunch of volume and win that way you really have to show up at the right times and execute uh to be able to win those things so i mean for sure, for sure. huge huge props to everyone that's won a, a player of the year in some way or another because it, it it's not easy right We've got the new year in front of us, 2022. That's crazy to imagine. Absolutely insane because it just seemed like I was thinking that same thing about 2021. Do you have any 2022 goals for your poker game or for poker in general or even beyond 2022? Do you want to play the main event? Do you want to win the main event? Uh, sure. Yeah, I'll do both those things. Okay. <laughs> Maybe not um, next year. Don't don't squeeze them all in next year. But uh, Yeah. Uh, I mean – I have loose goals for myself. Uh, I guess you could say I'd love to be able to play the main event at some point in my life. I'm going to play the main event. Um, I just want to be one, like what I want to do in 2022 is be able to play more. Um, hopefully schedules free up COVID goes away, all that type of stuff that allows us to play more. I think that'd be really nice. Um I'd like to continue to go to the world series. I've been going, I went not the big COVID year, but this past year and the year before I went out and was able to play uh, during the world series for different events. That that's a ton of fun. It makes a lot of sense to like try and make a trip going there. I think that would be really cool to like make an annual thing again, another like loose goal of mine, but um other than that, like, I really don't have a ton of like goals for myself. It'd be tough for me to say like, 
uh, yeah, I want to play the main event this year or in two years, because uh, if I do play the main event, it's going to come from poker winnings. So like build up that bankroll and get there in poker being so volatile and unpredictable. It's tough to know like when something like that's going to happen. Uh, I mean, when I was out in Vegas this past fall, which sounds weird to say, usually you say in the summer for the world series, but um, I made a final table and Jim, Jim was watching me play. Uh, and I cashed for, I think like 1100 or something like that. 1200, maybe And first place was 11,000. And I got it in in a 70-30 spot for second place in chips and the 30% came through. But like that is the difference, roughly speaking. It's taking a big step to say that I would have won. We have no idea that would have happened, but say I would have won. That's the difference of a main event seat right there. And that's that's just how crazy this game can be. So I, I never try and like tie actual goals to like results while playing poker, but a lot of those things that you would think are very much true. I'd like to play the main event. I'd like to uh, be a more frequent player of like the MSPT, the, you know, $1,100 buy-in that comes around some of the local casinos around me, those types of things. Um, But I'll get there. I don't need to rush anything. I venture to say if you played the main event and you got close to the end that you'd have a few people from rec poker railing you. I can almost guarantee that. So that would be yeah. awesome. Uh-huh. Hey, very, very welcome to have everyone there if I do uh, happen to make a run. But absolutely. I mean, cart, cart and horse, right? <laughs> almost to the end here. So hang, hang, hang in there. Yeah. Rapid fire round. I'll give you two terms. You tell me which one is your preference and why. Are you ready? All start right. The, start so, the clock. So just, just to like <laughs> confirm, you're going to say two things, say two like things. hamburger or no, pizza. No, they're all poker related. They're all poker yeah, related. yeah. But like that, that's like the, the thought. It's like you're going to say something like hamburger pizza and I have to choose pizza. And you have to, and then tell us why. And tell us why. Okay, I can do that. Right, you ready? Mm-hmm. Live or online? Live. Um, I prefer live. I think it's more fun to actually play, get the the heart beating and stuff like that. Uh, there's definitely downsides of it. Uh, I have to listen to people complain. Um, sometimes people don't Forget smell the best. <laughs> they get annoying. They berate the dealers and stuff like that. And online, you can turn that off. But um, live is what got me playing poker to begin with. And then I used online as a supplement to like get better. I put money on ACR in the first place just to like try out new things. Uh, let's try C betting more, C betting less. Let's try three betting more, three betting less. Let's try check raising more. All these different types of things to like just get used to doing them and understanding like how does it feel to be in those spots ultimately so then I could go play live. So um, I'd say I much prefer playing live than online. Okay. Hold them or mixed games? Hold them. Uh, mixed games, even though I won, I'm not very good at mixed games and everyone's going to laugh at me for saying that, but like, look at the events that I won in the mixed game. I won Badoogie. Do you know what Badoogie is? I don't know. Steve, Steve didn't know what Badoogie was until we forced him to play. Uh, but I won in Badoogie and I won in short deck. Uh, those were my two big wins. I made deep runs in a lot of other things. Um, games like PLO, I'm, I don't feel that comfortable playing PLO eight, maybe. Um, 
I like playing Raz and Stud Eight and some games like that. Oh, and Deuce to Seven, Triple Draw or Single Draw. I really like playing. Um, but <laughs> mixed games in total are, I would say, I'm not all that good at. I, I know I kind of rattled through a whole bunch of like mixed games that I was like, I like these, but don't like these. But I, my um, next question was going to be Hold'em or PLO, but you, you've already oh, yeah. answered get, that. Get so. rid of PLO. I, I just, I don't like PLO. I don't know. I just, it's not I've my type a, of thing. It's so much variance. I have to think about so many things. I don't know. I haven't had enough experience playing it. So um, yeah, put PLO to the side, but um, some of the other mixed games I do, I do. Enjoy. got a buddy of mine who that's the only kind of poker he'll play is PLO. Mm-hmm. And just that's, that's, that's all he wants to play. Not my style. I've got it written one way, but you can modify the question however you choose. ACR or ignition? And if you don't play on ignition, ACR or plug in your own side where you spend some time. Yeah, I play on both those. Um, It was only ACR up until earlier this year. And then I started getting into ignition. And then I won a ton on ignition um humble brag um but i prefer the software on acr even though it comes with a tougher field um i got a program that you'll sometimes see me run on twitch uh, it's called jurogen which has then allowed me to then like play more on ignition but ignition <clears throat> i don't like being negative but it like the time banking and stuff like that, you fold out of so many hands. Like I unintentionally fold so often and it's, you want to know how to tilt me and it's making me unintentionally fold when I don't mean to. But Jurogen has a setting that when you download their software, it'll automatically click the time bank for you on ignition. Um, So that kind of helped with things. But if you want to play in a soft field, uh, go to ignition. Uh, If you want to play on better software, go to ACR. Gotcha. I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this next one, but I wrote it, so I'm going to use it. Um, Feel player or math player? Oh, I'm going to throw you for a loop both. Um, I use math in like the most basic sense. Like there really isn't like advanced math when it comes to it, but like there's definitely times where I'm like, oh, this is a weird spot. What are the pot odds? What are my outs? And like calculating stuff that way. Um, but a lot of game comes down to those feely type of stuff, like understanding what your opponents are doing, being observant of those. And it's, I, I don't like the term feel player, but I get what people mean when they say it. I remember hearing a story a long time ago and I'm assuming it's true. I don't know if it's actually true, but someone was talking about, um, someone in like the army or something that was in charge of the anti-aircraft missiles, uh, essentially, you know, shoot down the missiles that come in and don't shoot down the planes that are coming in. And he was in charge of that. And he had this decision come up all of a sudden, you know, there's this unidentified aircraft coming in and he had to decide if he wanted to shoot it down or not shoot it down. And he decided to shoot it down. And it turns out it was a missile that came in and he made the right decision spur of the moment to shoot down the missile. And they asked him afterwards and they're like, what made you shoot this one down and not the other one? And he said, I don't know. I just had a feeling about it. And I think that's what people think of when they think of field players, but 
when they like analyzed it and kind of dug into like his mental preparation of like stuff like that, what happened was the missile came in at a much lower trajectory than another aircraft and the rate that or how quick it came onto his radar and like how it was traveling and stuff like that only made sense if it was a low trajectory and not like a flying aircraft. And he, although he didn't know it, he knew it based off of all those things because it didn't, it didn't operate the same way that other things had operated. So he said it was his feel of what stuff was, but really it was his brain picking up on, you know, something is different this time around and I'm going to shoot it down. And he made the right decision. And I think a lot of people, um, play poker, go through those same types of things. And they say like, as was a feel, I knew he didn't have it here, but it was like, you know, the speed at which he checked or the speed at which he bet, or, you know, all those other different, um, factors that would go into making a decision, but then they account it towards field play. So I, I really like both sides of it. Um, math is definitely part of the game, but it's not as big as, um, someone might think me being a math guy that, oh yeah, all your decisions are just, you're trying to find the plus EV spot and just go for that. That's a great answer. So thinking about where you are today, thinking about all the stuff that you've learned playing poker, whether that's been through trial and error, playing the game, what studying you can fit into your otherwise really busy schedule. Imagine somebody very new to the game coming to you for advice and asking you, are you wanting to articulate uh, 20% of everything that they could think about that uh, would yield 80% of the positive return? What would, how would you answer that question? Um, knowing opening ranges, uh, it will get you a huge chunk of that way. Um, understanding uh, how position affects the, the, the flow of the game or like a hand being played out. Uh, and then also understanding just general like board textures and what it means as it goes with the opening ranges and position like that, then like com- combining into like a post-flop strategy because the pre-flop ranges get you pre-flop position will get you pre-flop and kind of post-flop. And then the, the board textures and how it plays out will all be post-flop. But um, I think those are like three things that if you can just like start understanding and start really getting in your head um you'll really improve and not to like take a step back to other things but like mixed games and like me learning a little bit about some mixed games has really helped with that last aspect of like what boards are good and what what types of actions are favorable for different types of things uh because if you ever go and play raz or stud or stud eight or better uh, a lot of that game really just comes down to what's your up cards versus what's your opponent's up cards. And too many people will play those games and be like, okay, here's my hand. How has my hand progressed? Uh, you know, oh, I've improved, improved. And then it was an all right hand, but they failed to look at their opponent board, which has gone improve, improve, improve. And like, uh, you have to understand those types of concepts and then take that and leverage it into hold them. Okay. You know, what was the flat? What was the turn? Does that help him? Does that help me? And those types of things. Um, so I think that's kind of how mixed games has helped my hold them game and 
vice versa, then get better at a whole and then you can apply it to mixed games. Cool. Very good. Jim, that's, that's all I've got. Taylor, thank you. That was, that was great. I learned a lot. I look forward to going back and being able to listen to this when I'm not in interview mode. Cause I can have <laughs> looking at my questions, thinking about what I'm going to say next. And, uh, now you know how good. Taylor feels when he's Twitch streaming, trying to play yeah, at the same I do. time. I right? have a lot going on. Uh-huh. There's a lot <laughs> happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rob or Chris, if you guys had any questions too, we can uh, jump in here now that Greg's the maestro has done his work. Rob, I, I see you unmuted. Yeah, jump in, bud. Yep, I do have a question. Um, I watch you on Twitch. Um, watch you play. I played with you a lot. I played in the home game with you, you know, uh, things like that. So we've been playing together for many years. Long time, yeah. And one of the things that just drives me crazy is you always you always seem to play a range game where you uh, kind of figure out the other person's range and where they are. And, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there with a bluff catcher and I know that you are so capable of bluffing in these certain spots. And so either I'm a calling station or my bluff catcher isn't as good as I think it is, (laughs) because every time I try to catch you with my bluff catcher, you always have it. How can this be? I've told you many times. I always have it, Rob. There's no <laughs> yeah, point in I trying to bluff catch me. And you, you don't always have it. I know. You don't always have it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, just, it's funny. Yeah, I, it, it's just uh, fortune working out in my way. Um, just to have it when you call me and not have it when I'm bluffing. I uh, get you to fold when I'm bluffing. So, I mean, it, it works out both ways. I, I was just playing, I talked about, I was playing live a lot. I, I had a perfect uh, triple barrel spot uh, playing live and I got to the river and I'm like, man, I can get him to fold all of his, of his weak uh, top pair hands. And this is going to be great. I'm going to get him to do exactly what I want him to do. I put out that big bet and he thought and he thought and he thought and I went, yes, this is perfect. He's just thinking about, but he doesn't want to fold, but he's going to ultimately fold. And he hits the call button. He calls me with second pair bad kicker. And, <laughs> oh man, I put my tail between my legs there. Because uh, uh, for some reason, uh, he was able to pick up on it that time. But hey, it, it goes both ways. <laughs> well, I had a question, uh, Taylor. So I know you also offer some coaching services through the Rec Poker Shop, and mm-hmm. uh, so people have reached out about the way that, that to get in touch with you about that. Um, what kinds of ways do you like to work with people to help them get better at poker? I know um, you've got a couple like, hand history reviews. I know you talk about doing some videos, some one-on-one work. What, what what do you like to do when you're helping people learn poker, and why? Yeah, I think I can be most effective with uh, database reviews. Mm. Um, I've gone through it myself and tried to understand, like, you know, what are the optimal spots? And it's never like there's um, perfect numbers for everything. Like, what should you VPIP? What should your preflop raise be? Like, you have general guidelines of what they should be, but there's no perfect number. Um, But I can help, like, dig into certain spots where you're potentially off. Where are you three betting too much? Where are you not three betting enough? Uh, where are you folding to three bets when you should be calling? Where are you c-betting when you shouldn't be on uh, those types of things? And just doing database reviews allow me to get really like specific with those types of things. Uh, the other way is just like hand history 
reviews, which um, I like to take specific topics and kind of like focus on that rather than be like, hey, here's this hand that I played out to the river. Should I call it river? To me, that's, you know, all right. But I think people focus too much, generally speaking on, hey, this spot, I lost a lot. How can I avoid losing a lot in this spot? when they should really be thinking about, hey, this spot, I won a little. Is there a way mm. that I could earn a little bit more? Hey, this spot, I won a medium-sized pot. Can I win a bigger-sized pot? Hey, this hand, I lost a medium-sized pot. Can I only lose a small-sized pot type of thing? Like, focus on uh, not just the big game-changing hands, because sometimes you just get in a spot where you just got to take that and take your loss, but a lot can be gained by working on some of those medium strength hands uh, and getting the most value out of them. Nice. So I, I like to focus a lot on like, where should you be continuation betting? Where should you be, you know, checking, where should you be three betting? Where should you be check raising uh, and those types of things? Nice. So if people want to go to the rec poker shop, there's a coaching session and section in there, and you can look at all the different members of the wrecking crew, uh, pick someone that you want to work with. And then Taylor, uh, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you if they want to get together? Is it on Twitter or email or what's your preferred way for people to look you up? Uh, Twitter's pretty easy at Taylor underscore Moss. Uh, you can send me an email at Taylor at rec.poker um, or discord messages work. I'm on the discord through the rec poker thing. Uh, you'll find me on there, Taylor Moss. Um, so a bunch of different ways that you can get in contact with me, but those three are probably the, the highest hit percentage. Cool. Or my Twitch stream. Feel free to show up and uh, chat with me during the Twitch stream. It's every That's right. Thursday. That's every Thursday, yeah. And also the first Wednesday and the second Wednesday of every month, too. Because uh, And that's and a couple other little surprise appearances every once in a while. You never know. Yep. Yeah, if I make the Tournament of Champions, I'll be streaming that, too. That's why you got to subscribe, folks. Head on over to twitch.tv slash poker and click that subscribe button. Chris, did you have something there? Yeah, I'll just follow up on that on, on the Twitch stream. Um, Taylor, earlier in the interview, you said you've never been wrong on the screen. Um, but I, I found myself timed out at least four or five times on the stream. So I'm wondering how I thought each time that was a mistake. So I'm wondering how that can be true when you've never been wrong. And I keep finding myself timed out on the stream. Yeah. We have a strict uh, self help type of thing. You can't uh, say comments that would inflict self harm on others. So your approach to playing certain hands and the aggressive way that you would like to play them we view as a self-harm type of thing and we we really have to just remove those messages so we haven't banned you but we're just we're just trying to like moderate it a little bit certain hands just certain hands yeah just certain hands maybe like one one very specific hand. certain hands that have a five in them and then also another five <laughs> that that small set of hands any Wait, suit combination I, I, I might know who asked that question earlier i thought it was anonymous <laughs> well thanks guys this was a lot of fun getting to know taylor better and greg i always enjoy having you on the show and uh using your valuable skills here as an interviewer something tells me we're going to get you back uh, one of these days well i'd love to hear a little more about rob washam uh maybe even steve fredland himself uh sometime in later in 2022 and so I should say, I think this, this episode should come out in the first week of 2022. So Happy New Year, everybody. Um, I hope everyone's still on whatever their New Year's resolutions are, heading to the gym every day, I'm sure. 
eating well, getting those eight hours of sleep, but still getting up at the crack of dawn. I'm just so impressed with how well everyone's doing. Um, what, uh, since we're all here hanging out and talking about poker and what's to come, um, does anyone have any of their own poker goals for 2022? Or is there anything about rec poker in 2022 that you're excited about? Personally, I know the thing I'm most excited about is all these new members on the wrecking crew getting more and more involved and hosting their own events. Uh, we've got multiple events pretty much every day now. Friday, we still only have the home game. Um, but Sunday, Saturday through Thursday, there are at least two events every single day. Uh, and that doesn't always necessarily even include the uh, the home game. So, Taylor, I know you're going to have to split out of here soon. Is there anything you'd like to add before we say goodnight? Uh, no, I, I mean, I talked about goals before. I, I don't like to put too many specific goals out there. But, uh, I mean, just generally speaking, just I want to keep studying, keep learning, keep playing, uh, and keep having fun while I'm playing poker. I, I want to keep it fun. Yeah, man. Right on. Well, thanks again for your time. Go enjoy that quality time with the family and we'll see you again soon. I hope. Thanks Taylor. Thanks everyone. So, yeah, I think I'm just excited about seeing all these new faces coming out and uh, uh, taking on a piece of rec poker nation themselves. People like Eric, Jim, uh, Tim Fritz, um, people like uh, Keith Brandt, uh, Kim Kilroy, just to name a few. Uh, Don't get me started. Woody Adams. Um, It's it really does take a whole group of people coming in and working all together Um, And that's how we get all these great events every day. So that's something I'm excited about. Also, we're getting great feedback all the time. I just got a really good email from uh, 7High11 about some of the content that we're putting out there. And so I really want to thank everyone for sharing their opinion about stuff, letting us know how we can do things better, and just sending a little encouraging note every once in a while. I can't tell you how nice it is. And the guys tell me this too, every once in a while when someone uh, writes Chris at rec.poker and says, Hey, Chris, I just had a great time watching the seminar and I took this really valuable thing out of it. You know, when I was down there playing in Vegas, I had a couple of people show up to the table and uh, just say thanks and introduce themselves and say that they've gotten some tip on the podcast or something. Yeah, I can't tell you, folks, it puts a big smile on our face. So uh, please do uh, send a note. Tell us, let us know what we can do better and what we can, what we're, <laughs> what we're doing well. We do appreciate that. Um, Rob and Chris, what do you guys have going on in 2022? What are you looking forward to? Um, well, we have the Recce Awards in January, which is going to be a lot of fun. That yeah, was no a, kidding. A ton of fun last year. And we're going to be giving away something on that. So check the uh, book study group. Make sure you get in there, be a member of that group and uh, check it out. We do have a, a kind of a cool giveaway for that, for that we're going to do during the Recce Awards. I think we can Otherwise, break that news if you want to, Rob. That's, that's going to be public when this drops. So. Yeah, it's the uh, Modern Poker Theory Video Packs. Oh, baby. Um, D&B Poker, um, along with Rec Poker, and Michael Acevedo are giving away um, uh, the video packs to somebody, uh, some Rec Poker member um, that either retweets. I mean, we're going to have a tweet out there, so hopefully you've all seen that already. Retweet the, the, uh, the, the tweet. And then uh, there's a you can earn additional entries by getting involved in the book study group. So go to the book study group and all the details will be in there. Um, so yeah, looking forward to that. That'll be a lot of fun. And then just in general, I'm hoping to be done with modern poker theory by sometime in January because it's a very very intense book. And then we'll get into the next book. So I'm looking forward to continuing with the book study in 2022 and. And to bring that um, content to everybody that wants to uh, partake. So, 
Nice. I can't wait to do, we're going to do that draw live um, on the air while we're doing the recce's, which will be on Wednesday, January 26th at 6.30 Central. So uh, folks, make sure you mark your calendar down. And that's going to be a lot of fun. we got some guests lined up, uh, some fun stuff. Colin and Danny are going to be back in the hosting chair. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that already. I've already got my liter and a half of Grolsch bottle on order. I'm going to pick it up earlier that week. So we're ready to go. Get a little flushed by the end of that presentation, perhaps. But that's how we like to do it around here. Um, so let me see. Uh, what else should we talk about here before we hit the road? Maybe that's all there is to it. Um, Chris? I mean, I, I just add that, you know, I think we're going to have, we're still not quite there yet, but we're, we're planning to look at where all our content goes in 2022. And mm. so we're having lots of conversations there. Um, and I'm, I'm really interested in sort of figuring out where that next step is. And personally, uh, I'm hoping that the world cooperates and it's kind of continues to be a, a place where can start of start to return to the live game a little bit more, but also, um, I, I've really this year not been able to play in very many of the, the home games at all. And I'm, I'm hoping to try to jump back in there at least for the, the player of the year uh, signature events. Um, so th th those are some of my personal goals a little bit. Well, I'm pretty sure that this year, actually Steve Friendland himself won the points race for the player of the year. So we were talking earlier about how impressive that is. Uh, it's crazy to think that Steve's got time to make those every uh, first Wednesday of every month. But he's been doing it. So that's Taylor's one at once. Steve's one at once. Chris, I think you're next, man. 2022. I think it's your year. Gotta, gotta, I gotta show up to, to even try. So that'll be my <laughs> yeah. goal. Well, I like your odds. I know. And Chris is, uh, he's being a little bashful, but he's doing a lot of work behind the scenes as we kind of restructure some of our online content, some of our membership content, make it easier for people to get to the website and find exactly what they're looking for. You know, I, I don't want, don't want to get into the details just yet, but in 2022, you're going to find um, a much easier way to look, get around rec poker and to find the stuff that's just for you. So I'm excited for that. And also some of these uh, live games that we're talking about. And I know, Chris, you're also going to be instrumental in some of that. Um, working with some other partners that also are involved with the live world. I don't want to give anything away just yet, but uh, we've got a few irons in the fire. We're trying out a few different things, see what's a good fit. And I'm excited to see more of that. And I also, I, I am just desperate to play more freaking poker in 2022. I think 2021, I played less poker than like in any year since 2010 or something like that. It's just, it's, it's ridiculous. So um, I'm looking forward to getting, to getting more into that myself. All right, gang. Well, I guess uh, without any further ado, I would love to thank our uh, friends, Website Amp and Running Aces Hotel Racetrack and Casino. Um, Greg, thank you so much for doing this again. I can't wait to have you back on the show. Thanks to Taylor Moss, uh, Rob Washam, and Chris Jones, and of course, Steve Fredland and all you listeners. Thank you so much and Happy New Year.